Please remain standing with me for our gospel lesson this morning from Luke 15. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. He said, Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he's so thrilled he places it on his shoulders. When he arrives home, he gathers together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Come celebrate with me, because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both heart and life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change. Or what woman, if she owns 10 silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls together her friends, saying, Celebrate with me, because I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. Then Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. And the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered up everything and took a trip to a land far away where he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up all of his resources, a severe food shortage arose in the country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that community who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. So when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, and here I am starving to death? I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then he said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father was quick to say to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Fetch the fattened calf, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they all began to celebrate. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And now I'm going to invite our children, grades K through 2, to make their way to children's worship with Pastor Renee. So now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, 
May the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I've now been at Highland a little over two years, but I am still learning so much about our church every day. I think I will be for a long time. For instance, I'm learning that whenever we have an event or a meal downstairs in the fellowship hall, you can pretty much guarantee that it's going to be a bit chaotic. Because I've learned that whenever our children make their way downstairs, it is as if some outside force immediately compels them to begin running around in circles as fast as they possibly can. No matter what we have planned, what's going on, it happens every time. But I've also learned that if you watch them closely, you will discover that our children are usually not running around aimlessly. There is method to their madness. For instance, they will go hide behind the walls of the stage at the front of the fellowship hall. But they will make so much noise with their feet running back and forth and back and forth. And you can hear it echoing against the wood floor so that you know immediately where they are hiding. Or another child might run around in circles until they finally find a hiding spot behind one of the columns in the room. And then they will peek their head out ever so slightly to see if anybody is paying attention to them. And then they will giggle uncontrollably when they realize that you are. The thing is, I'm also learning that there are quite a few hiding spots around the church building where our children could legitimately hide. And we might not find them for a while. For instance, I visited the boiler room with Walter McCorder a few weeks ago. And let me tell you, that's a scary place. We might never find our children down there. (laughs) Or I've learned that there's actually an old pastor's study above the baptistry that you have to get to by a drop-down ladder and climb up there. Okay, you all are nodding. How many of you have climbed up? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I guess for the youth in the room who are really wanting to do like an overnight thing, I'm giving you some really great ideas, aren't I? So you're you're welcome. (laughs) So here's the thing. There are plenty of corners and crevices and closets in our church building where our children could hide. And it would take us a long time to find them. But the reality is that most of the time our children run around like crazy, not because they want to get away from us, but because they really want us to chase them. And the reason they hide in the corners and crannies of our church is not because they want to disappear, but because at the end of the day, they really want to be found. And I think that's what draws me to these stories that we find in Luke's gospel. They are all stories about the joy of something or someone who was lost being found. 
Now, at the beginning, we find Jesus eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, and the Pharisees are grumbling in the background saying, why is Jesus eating with people like them? But Jesus doesn't rebuke the Pharisees. Instead, he says, well, let me tell you a story. Because that's what Jesus did everywhere he went. He told stories. Sometimes people would ask him a question, and instead of giving them a direct response, he would give them a story. And people were mesmerized because within these powerful stories, they saw themselves. And I think as we continue to immerse ourselves in these stories, just like Chip Miller and I are doing together on Wednesday nights, we are immersing ourselves in these stories of Luke, and we do it because we find ourselves here too. Now this story in Luke 15 is actually told in three different parts. The first story is about a shepherd who leaves 99 of his sheep behind in order to go out in search of the one who is missing. The second story is about a woman who has 10 silver coins, and she turns her house upside down to find that missing coin. But the third story kind of shifts gears a bit. Sometimes preachers preach this text on its own because it is a bit different Because this time what's missing isn't a thing, it's a person. This man who had two sons has a son who takes his inheritance early, goes away, and spends every last drop of it. And so when hard times come and he has nothing left, he comes back home. And the father gathers everyone together to celebrate this son who was lost and is now found. Now, although these are three very different stories, for some reason, Jesus tells them together as a unit, as a parable. And I think whenever we see stories in the Bible that are told in a grouping like this, it's always prudent of us to ask, why? Why are they put side by side? How are they alike? How are they different? What stands out? And when we look at the stories in this way, we notice a major difference is that the son makes a purposeful decision to leave, to turn away from his father, to be disobedient. We don't see that with the sheep or the penny. The sheep is not disobedient. Maybe it just lost its way one day. And likewise, the coin can't do anything to lose itself. Maybe the woman accidentally dropped the penny and it fell beneath the couch cushions or underneath the bed. These first two stories are fairly simple, but human nature makes the third story much more complex. And that complexity only intensifies when we consider that the shepherd goes after his missing sheep. And that woman will stop at nothing until she finds the missing coin. But we don't see the father go out and search for his son. When the son goes missing, the father seems strangely absent from the story. What do we do with that? And then we actually don't know if the son comes home because he is truly and genuinely sorry for what he has done, or if he's just hungry and he knows that he will eat well at his father's house. Ultimately, I don't think we can really tell the son's motives from reading the story. And yet what's most surprising to me is that the father doesn't seem to care. 
All we are told is that even when he is a long way off, before he has said or done anything, his father runs to him, wraps his arms around him, and welcomes him home. Perhaps it's because the focus is not really on the son, but on the overwhelming love of the father in the story. He doesn't even let his son finish his speech before announcing that they will have a celebration because this son of his was lost and is now found. All this makes me wonder that perhaps the point of the parable isn't the circumstances under which the sheep and the coin and the son were lost, but that regardless of the circumstances, wherever they were, whatever got them there, they were found. I wonder this morning, when is the last time you really felt lost? For the students in the room, how many of you started school or started a new school recently? Any hands out there? Got a few? Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that it can be easy to feel lost in a new school and in crowded hallways of new places, navigating through new classes with new teachers, in the midst of any kind of big change or transition in our lives. Maybe you graduated recently, or you're getting ready to graduate this year, and you're wondering, where do I go from here? What's next? And you really wish somebody would just give you a road map to show you the way? but suddenly it's just not that clear anymore. Maybe you lost a job, or you didn't get the job that you were really hoping for, or didn't make the team or the program, and you'd been banking on that being your plan for so long that you wonder, what are you supposed to do next? Maybe all your friends are having babies. And they have no idea about the invisible pain that you and your partner are carrying after multiple miscarriages and struggles with infertility. And people just keep asking you, so when are you all going to have children? And you just feel so lost in the midst of it all. Or maybe you're working hard to raise your children, and each age and new season has new joys, but it also has new challenges. And there's no rule book for how you do this whole parenting thing, especially in the midst of a pandemic in the year 2022, and you just feel a little lost. Maybe you're in the journey of coming out of the closet starting to share your identity, who God has created you to be. And you want to share it with someone you love and someone who loves you, but you know the conversation will be hard and you're just not sure when or how or what to do next. And maybe in the midst of that, you just need to know that someone sees you in this difficult space and you're not alone there. Maybe you've lost someone you loved, and their absence has left such a void in your life. Every now and then you reach down for your phone, only to remember that you can't call them or text them anymore. And in the midst of your grief and sadness, you just feel lost. 
Maybe you get a phone call from the doctor and the prognosis isn't good. Maybe you're struggling with a mental health challenge or addiction or illness that is so isolating. There just aren't easy answers for how to navigate this and you feel lost. I could think of story after story after story about how all of us in this room at one point or another can feel so very lost. Sometimes because of our own choices and decisions that got us there, and sometimes because the messiness of life falls upon us as quickly as a coin falls beneath the couch cushions. We will all experience times when we feel lost. But if you're feeling lost today, I want you to take heart in what one of my favorite Bible scholars, Debbie Thomas, writes about today's text. She says, if Jesus' parables are true, then we need to remember that God isn't in the middle of the fold with the 99 insiders. God is not curled up on her couch polishing the nine coins that she is already so very sure of. God is where the lost things are. God is where lostness reigns. God is in the darkness of the wilderness. God is in the remotest corners of the house. God is where the search is at its fiercest. Meaning if I want to find God, I have to leave the safety and security of the inside and venture out. I have to recognize my own lostness and consent to be found. This is not easy, she says, not by a long shot. For one thing, it's hard for me to believe that I am worth looking for, that I'm loved enough to warrant a long, hard, diligent search. It's so hard to trust that God won't give up on me, that God does God's best work when I am utterly lost and unable to find myself. You see, even when God seems as absent from our lives as the father is when the prodigal son goes missing, this text, when read together, reminds us that we can never get too far away from God's love. And even when we are a long way off from where we want to be, no matter what the circumstances are that got us there, God's love will stop at nothing to find us, even if it means leaving the 99 behind. Now, remember that that Jesus tells these stories in response to a question at the beginning of Luke 15, which is why is Jesus over there eating with the sinners and the tax collectors? And I can't help but wonder if Jesus is showing us that these people who are coming near to him are doing so because they don't feel so lost when they are with him. I wonder if they're eating with Jesus because they know that even though they may be a long way off from where they want to be, Jesus welcomes them. I wonder if they sit and they eat with Jesus because when they are with him, perhaps for the very first time in their lives, they feel seen and understood and known. It's like they've been found for the very first time. And the thing is, this idea of being found is not unique to Luke's gospel. 
All throughout scripture, we read story after story after story about a God who pursues us and finds us wherever we are. God finds Hagar in the wilderness, Joseph in a pit, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in a fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's bin, Moses in a basket floating down the river, Jonah in the belly of a whale, Rahab in the city walls of Jericho, and I could go on and on. And so my question this morning is, where do you need God to find you today? Where do you need God to show up in your life and to let you know that you are not alone? In the musical, which has been turned into a movie, Dear Evan Hansen, Evan Hansen stands up to give a speech at his school assembly at the end of Act One. But in that moment, in front of his entire school, he gets so anxious and he's fumbling with all of his note cards until finally he drops them. And so he drops to the floor in a complete panic. But as he gets back up, he begins to sing. And the lyrics to this song that he sings resonate with people so strongly that this moment in the show just begins to take on a life of its own. And not only within the musical, but even outside of the musical in ways that the writers and composers never could have anticipated at the time. In fact, throughout COVID, the song became an anthem for the world that was performed by countless virtual choirs all across the globe. And so as we end today, I want to share a bit of Evan Hansen's song with you to remind us that even when we feel lost and even when we are a long way off from where we want to be, that there is a God who sees us wherever we are and that we will be found. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? Well, let that lonely feeling wash away. Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay. Cause when you don't feel strong enough to stand, you can reach, reach out your hand. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. So let the sun come streaming in, cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again. Lift your head and look around. You will be found. Friends, may we remember that there is a God who sees us, who loves us and welcomes us home, and that we too will be found. Amen.